It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The award-winning Crunch Time. Nick Dacos. Doing something different. Little bit of in it from 50. Good strike. Nick Dacos pulls out the one wood and monsters it down the middle for his second. Cameron did it well. Then a good handball to Goey, who pierces one to the top of the square. Frampton strolls in and doesn't miss. Goal umpire just had to move a little to the left. Pops it up into the pocket. It was shut down well by Gerard. But he's infringed on Johnson. Deep in the left forward pocket. Oh, he makes that fit in the most spectacular fashion. Mitchell chucks it on the boot. But Lipinski backing back just got one in the eye from Dale for good measure. Directly in front. Hoyts it, gives it everything. And it got there. From 53 out. Plenty of players here. They fly off hands. Daniel, and there's the siren. A massive roar across Marvel Stadium. They've had a bit thrown at them tonight. Not in their natural habitat either of Marvel Stadium, but Collingwood pulled through by two goals. Yeah, we went into the game thinking it was going to be a high stoppage game, and um, the opposition are really good at that part of their game. And, um, yeah, we, we, we won the score, scores from stoppage battle, which is um, yeah, something with Hayden Skipworth and um, Scott Selwood done a great job this year getting that part of our game going. So credit to those guys. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're here to bank wins. That's, we're in the, in the business of qualifying and um, as every team in the competition are. So these wins are really important. On a night where old and new in black and white are celebrated, Collingwood sees off another challenger to maintain their hold on the competition. The Pies are overcoming personnel issues, a slow start, and some of the Bulldogs' best footy, and they saluted at a packed Marvel Stadium. Waiting at the back was Vlosten, Felder Malikan, his handball inboard looking for Cunningham, but it's pressure from Bolton, and then it's spilt to Graham, runs to centre half, forward, kicks it long, no one home, could bounce through, it's bouncing, it's bouncing, it's bouncing, scores a level! Ball spins back into play, Nankervis won it cleanly, just slicing his shoe at it, was Bolton charging into an open goal, Graham can seal it! Yeah, we spoke about it just briefly then, like the guys... You know, we've obviously had some challenges late, late in games over the past couple of years, so uh, we've put a fair bit of work into that space. And, and ultimately, I've said this before, it's about leaders and people just standing up in the final moments, and, and our guys were really able to do that tonight. As the rain was falling on Thursday night, Richmond's finals hopes were rising. Interim coach Andrew McQualter engineers a telling turnaround to breathe new life into the Richmond season and in the process, perhaps, sucking the air out of Sydney's campaign. Stuart Jew hasn't been told, and I'm not sure where it's standing at board level, but my firm belief is that a decision will be made within the next few weeks, or certainly by the end of the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen by the end of July. And my equally firm view is that Damien Hardwick will ultimately be the coach of the Gold Coast Suns. So I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach. 
contracted for this year and next year, does a good job of being contracted well into the future. What is going on with Clayton Oliver and the rehab program, the never-ending rehab program? I can't remember an injury that has been managed this poorly because the transparency from the football club has been a disgrace. And the sun gets a little hotter up on the Gold Coast as the heat once again rises around the future of coach Stuart Jew. Meanwhile, the most bizarre absence in footy continues with Clayton Oliver's layoff extending into a sixth game. This is the Round 17 edition of Crunch Time. Ashes sit on a knife edge over in the UK, but the AFL ladder is our version of Headingley. 16 and a bit rounds in, only a game and a half separating 7th from 15th, and the stakes are getting higher by the week. Sam Edmonds sitting in once again for Jared Waitley. We are amongst friends this morning at the Berwick GWM Havel dealership, part of the Berwick Motor Group. We're already on very good terms, but the cinnamon donuts on offer have certainly sweetened the deal. Not Luke, many left. Luke Hodge is with us <laughs> via correspondence. Hodge, good morning to you. Morning, Sammy. Well, wasn't last night a ripping game to watch? Good old Friday night football turned it on again with the Bulldogs jumping out of the box. They played some exciting football. Eugle Hagen continues to develop. He looks like a key centre-half forward these days. But as we've seen so many times over the last 18 months, Collingwood just flexed their muscles with a star-studded lineup, and, and were too strong again. Dermot Brereton has wandered along as well. We've had to drag him away from the fleet of cars here on Offer Dermot and the Cinnamon Donuts too for good measure. Welcome to you. Morning, boys. Yeah, I'm with Hodgie. It was a fantastic display. Uh, and I agree with, with Luke. Eugle uh, Hagen played in the losing team, only kicked two. He was the best forward on the ground last night. He looked dangerous. Um, and he's, he's come on in leaps and bounds. He showed signs in the past. Luke and I had a disagreement about the way he should have made progress. That was last year, I think. Uh, but what he's shown in the last two weeks has elevated our estimations of what he can be. But that's on the positive for the doggies, positive for the magpies. Let's not start now because that'll take us through to one o'clock. <laughs> they are seriously good. And it's great to have this man back. Great contribution last week. Riley Beveridge from AFL.com today. You, Riley, hello. G'day, boys. Great to be here. It's, we're going to see two stars of the competition for the next decade, I reckon, last night. in Jamara, as you mentioned, also Nick Dacos. They, they could be uh, 1A and 1B for, for 10, 12 years to come. They were fantastic last night, and it's going to be great to see their careers develop. Hodgie, how are we to assess what took place under the lid last night? We shouldn't forget the old-timers running around because it was old and new in black and white that was celebrated. Scotty Pendlebury doing what no man has ever done before. Yeah, well, I think if you look through their, their list, and we talk about Nick Dacos, but I was going to say a lot of last night was about Scotty Pendlebury um, breaking the, the record for, for most touches ever. And if you look through the list, taking over Robert Harvey, Gaz Jr., uh, there was Brent Harvey, and I'm missing one other. Uh, on there, uh, which I've slipped my mind, but you look through that list and they were, were quality players, uh, durability um, and just how much of an impact he's had. There's been, over his career, he's been in the top three of their best and fairest 14 times and 10 of them have been in final series. So you sort of look through and go, how good is that bloke? And he's not slowing down either. He's, he's signed on for next year, I think, and, and I'm pretty sure he, he's going to be the person who tells them when he's going to stop, not the other way around. You might have left off the great KB. Kevin Bartlett sits, How could I uh, sits fourth, fourth all time. <laughs> Just he? before yeah. my time. Just before my Fair time. Sorry, KB. <laughs> he sits fourth all time. He sits fourth of all time. Yeah, 402 games for a KB, and, and Scotty Pendlebury obviously played a few less than that. But, but uh, the thing is with KB, 
That's in an era, like they're getting, what's the average now, 380 to about 410 possessions per team per game. Mm. KB's era was around 230 possessions per game. So he's getting 25s and 30s when the possession count was halved. That, he played now. KB's up to about 25,000. In, in fairness, he only handballed when it was to himself, though, wasn't it? Very rarely yeah. he'd give it. <laughs> no, he had four handballs in, in those several thousand possessions. But that's, that's staggered me. It's it, a good number. 9,100 But, 9, he, but let's be honest. It, it, they were getting 230 possessions mm. a game, and he's a regular 25-plus. Kicked a few snags too, that's, for good measure. That's 40. That's equivalent to 40-plus more regularly than not in this current era. So 9,151 for a career that went from 1965 to 83, 402 games, and obviously... Uh, Does it have an average there? What do you got? 22.7. In, 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 uh, when they were getting 230, 240 possessions a game. Yep. So the, you extrapolate that out to now. That's 40-plus. He's <laughs> averaging 40-plus. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to go down in history with this sort of number, it obviously points to longevity, and not just longevity, but consistency yep. of performance over that long period of time, Hodgie, as well. But how were the pies able to turn it around because gee whiz the dogs were swinging from the rafters early they were landing a lot of blows and then it all changed after the main break yeah they, they jumped out to a, a 3-1 lead for the doggies and normally what teams in today's day and age do is they think well hang on they've got the run of the mill let's just slow slow it down compose yourself let's kill a little bit of time out of the clock just to try and get momentum back on our way Collingwood don't think like that. Collingwood don't have a slowdown mentality whatsoever. That What they did almost, they, they said, let's run harder. Let's go faster. Let's take the game on more and see if we can break him at this breakneck speed. And, and that's what they did. Um, Dacos, Dacos early on, I know we, it seems like we're repeating this every week, but he had six clearances in the first 15 minutes and Western Bulldogs had six clearances as a team. Um, but what, what, what I like about Collingwood and, and what everyone does is the excitement to play, but you think you've got Quainer off the half-back line who had eight intercept marks. That's where they get a lot of drive from. You've got both Dacos. Both Dacos are playing, having outstanding seasons, but all of a sudden you can go and start a Brownlow medalist on the bench. That You bring in Dugowie after three weeks suspended and they start Tommy Mitchell on the bench and then Pendlebury comes off for a break. Tommy Mitchell goes straight back in. So no matter where you look in that team, they go from strength to strength. There's no weaknesses through there and the, the game style, well, their, their key tools don't have a lot of impact. You look through Cox and Cameron, they're not done Frampton, they're not taking big contested marks, but they don't need to. All they have to do is make a contest, bring it to ground so those whippy fast blokes can play to their strengths. And, and look, it's, it's such a, a quality side that are working together. Who's the key, keystone, Hodgie? For, for the Collingwood. Collingwood. I mean, there's the sum of all parts. They're got some wonderful players all over the field. But if if you've got one name to circle in red ink in the opposition team meeting, who do you circle? Darcy Moore. Correct. He, yeah, he's I'm someone who... Because and, and, I think, as, as I sort of said before, is you, you take Tommy Mitchell and you start him on the bench. You take the goey out and they still have impact. Scotty Penderbury's moved aside a little bit. Nick's still learning the caper. Their defence is solely put Quick around learner. Darcy Moore. What's that? <laughs> 
He's a quick he's learner. A, oh, he is a quick <laughs> learner. But, and, that, and that's my point of view. He, he sets up a lot. You, you see him out there. And, and anyone who just wants to go and watch the football, go and watch Darcy Moore play. Yes, he looks after his bloke, but he's controlling the people around him. He sets up that defence. Um, so, yes, there's, there's a lot of midfielders that are probably getting more numbers than... They're definitely getting more numbers than him. But for the impact that he has in and around that side, if you can negate him, take him away from his strength by setting blokes up, he's been able to do it without... Uh, Jeremy Howe, I think he's someone who is just so important for that side. Um, but <laughs> they, you look through their defence, they've got a pretty handy defence if he does miss yeah, a game but, or two. And, and for all of that, though, Dermy, he had his hands full, particularly in the first hour mm. last night, Darcy Moore. Jamara was clunking him, Aaron Norton was clunking him. Cody Waitman, that Isaac Quain all matchup will circle back to. That was a great game within a game. But, gee, Darcy Moore was pushed to his limits at times last night. There's, there's no doubt that... When Collingwood are pushed, it's when they make Darcy Moore do something he doesn't want to do, and that's purely defend. His great gift to this team and asset is his ability to see the incoming ball, peel off his man, and go to the drop of the ball and turn it into a two-on-one, a 3 v to that, so he, he makes the outnumber, and they're so brave at pushing the ball forward, and they all mm. just fall in behind and keep swarming forward. It got to a stage last night where most times in in AFL we look at it and go, "Oh, don't turn the ball over in your back line. Don't turn it over in your back line because the opposition get a, a shot at goal, and that's you, you feel edgy about that with some teams against Collingwood when you take the ball into your forward line, their back line, you're that edgy because you know that they will just swarm forward off that. And what do forwards love? They love everybody up in the congestion of the midfield, back half midfield. And when Collingwood swarm out of their back line after they've turned it over from you, you've got space in your forward line. Mm. And you just know that that's... That's you, you can't stop it. It's a tsunami, isn't it? So it, six goal to one. It is one. the actual yeah. tsunami. You, I, I, I know we've go through the stats and rolls. You can show us all that about scoring from stoppage, scoring mm. from the back half, and and the likes. But I and stoppage is obviously clearly important. But I thought once the ball exited stoppage got to the outer, peri- outer perimeters of stoppage, like 10, 12 metres, boundary line throwing, ball drops to the ruckman. You draw a ring about 10 to 12 metres outside mm. that. Once it got to that and it was in the hands of the doggies, it was still game on. It still could be defended, that ball. Once it got to the outside of that outer ring mm. and it was in Collingwood hands, it's a way to the races. Yeah, You can't defend it. You're just relying on hope that your one-on-one down back might be able to stop an Elliot in space, a Bobby Hill running back with the mm. ball, a McCreary explosion with the ball. You just can't stop them when they get yeah. to the outside. Well, and that, that's the hardest thing. Go, Rolly. I was, gonna say, I was up in the Gold Coast this week and I spoke to a few of the Suns boys who played them last week and obviously got run off the park against them and they just said they've never played against a side that moves the ball as quick as what Collingwood does off half-back. Yeah. And as you mentioned... With, that, with all that congestion, if you are trying to lock the ball in your fourth half, it's two kicks. There was countless times last night as well where it's two kicks, it's over the back, it's Bobby Hill running into an mm. open goal. They can move the ball from D50 to, to offensive 50 in, in 15, 20 seconds, which very few teams in the competition can do. And, and with that as well, the, ball, the Bulldogs at times did a really good job to slow them up. But one thing you know about Collingwood is as soon as someone gets held up, 
the work ethic and the um, and the run from behind. So Dacos is always on the side. Then you've got Queenie coming from behind. They always have someone left or right that if they do yep. get held up, it's a quick little handball, and then Crane will come, uh, Quainer will come zipping through and, and free something up. It's they just always work. People people think it's risky because if they turn the ball over, then they've left forwards up the other end maybe free, but. In Collingwood's mindset, it's run to support. And then if we've got enough numbers at the contest, then we're going to get away with it. And it's proving to be a pretty good tactic for them so far this year. Yeah, and John Noble's been so important as well down there, hasn't he? It's easy to get caught up in it, isn't it? Even when you're wearing an opposition jumper, Riley. So we all love the Caleb Poulter story. It is amazing. Maybe <laughs> old habits died hard. He went the wrong way. He did. It was actually it was pretty incredible. I haven't seen that for a while when you go the wrong way. I wonder if he's... I know he's good mates with Jack Crisp if he thought he might have still been on the former side. But... Um, she yell out, I got your back, keep going. <laughs> yeah, familiar voice. Familiar voice, yeah. <laughs> it was like watching my son's under eights on the weekend. <laughs> the wrong way, turn back. I was glad the boy did all right. He played well. In the end, he, yeah, he, he, he hoiks it. He, he doesn't look low and, and, and spear passes, but he, he does hoik it. He kicks it a, a, you know, a good yep. mile. Uh, yeah, but I was glad for him he did all right after that because Nick Dacus got straight up to him, got into his face and just <laughs> applauded. And I thought, geez, you're lucky you're playing in this era. <laughs> you do. Oh, another one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what do we make of the Bulldogs? Because you, you look at them early on, it looked like they matched them. Like they, were, they were playing excellent yep. football. They took their chances. Waitman got off to a really good start. Norton had a bit of confidence early. Eugle Hagen, as we said, he... What do you, I think he kicked two goals, three. He missed a couple of shots he, he should did. have, but they looked yep. exciting. Uh, there was a couple brain fades. They go down by two goals, and two couple of things that Bevo raised in the uh, in the post match. The first thing, Derm, as you, as you get taught as a young kid growing up in football, is get something on the goal line. So first of all, Johnson took that mark on the goal line mm. when he just went and had a run and jump, easy, simple goal for him. And then the other one was Eugle Hagen's shot at goal from 45 out. Looks like it's going through. He goes to celebrate, runs into Big Coxie and starts giving him a bit of a what for. And Darcy Moore marks it on the boundary line with no one around him. These are the little things. They're a team that's sitting six on the ladder. They lost to a better team, and, and but they're the little things that you need to do. If you want to jump up into that top four, those little silly brain fades that you get taught at when, you're, year, when you're eight or nine years of age that you need to get right, they seem to fall away in those little efforts. Yeah, that, that's carrying out the plan, and that's just drifting off. That, that's rectifiable. You get the players to tune in. That is rectifiable. What was really disappointing for me was that when the Doggies brought it forward, there were several occasions in the match, even in the, uh, when they were kicking to the right-hand side of the screen, that was third quarter. They had, uh, and they were blown away in the third quarter, but not at the start. They had three forward 50 entries that they massacred themselves by foot. And, and I, when people say st some stuff in an analytical sense, some of it I'll go, yeah, that makes sense. And some of it I'll go, I need to see this myself. So I'll go back and look. And people have been talking about Bailey Smith's disposal. It's awful. Miss, you know, he's running at a good clip. Give him that. But he's looking to chip pass a 25 metre kick straight ahead and a player leads to him, you should be able to execute that. He's a very good player and he sails it over his leading teammate's head from 25. There's, yeah, that, they do things like that when Collingwood wouldn't have missed any kick inside a 50-50. Um, you know, you might mid the, miss the odd kick which you're biting off a bit much, but they don't miss any kicks like that. Whereas the dogs in that 
third quarter, opening few minutes of the third quarter, missed three guilt-edged opportunities to put the ball to advantage inside forward 50. Having said that, their first quarter was excellent. The first half of their second quarter was excellent. They showed a good plan because they occupied Darcy Moore. And Darcy Moore is the cornerstone of this team. And there's so many other parts to it. If you want a chance to beat the Magpies, it's not saying this is how you beat them. But if you want a chance to beat them, you have to keep Darcy Moore occupied so he can't be. It's almost like they play seven defenders against six forwards. You've got to keep him occupied. And that they looked... Look, the, the time that Collingwood looked hesitant was for about 15-minute patch in that last quarter, and I wasn't sure if Collingwood tried to play a little bit safer, and it's not naturally they can't naturally do that, but the Bulldogs wouldn't let it out of their Ford 50. Norton had a smother that kept him in there that got a shot on goal. Eugle Hagen got a smother. They, they still believe that they could win the game, but as I said, there's a few areas Which there that just great. fell short. Yes. Yeah, it was great, but one thing I, thought, I felt pleased about last night, in the end, it's only a two-goal loss. It felt like Collingwood controlled it better than that. But I, right now, we need bona fide challengers to actually raise their heads and say, we're capable. Mm. So a two-goal loss, no one ever accepts losing, but a two-goal loss against really formidable opposition, the best opposition that the league can throw up at the moment. Um, it's, I think they showed signs that they, they can beat... Near, probably just about every other team, bar Port Adelaide in their mm. current form. There's no one yeah. beating them at the moment. The They're looking up a bit, aren't they, at the moment, the dogs? Just a bit. They had a, yes. a lot on their own terms yes. last yeah. night. So Collingwood with some personnel issues. I know Jason Johannesson was missing for the dogs, but a lot went right at their venue. Collingwood off consecutive six-day breaks, I think, as well, Riley. So yeah. the, the great thing about it was uh, the players that they know the capabilities of, Bont, mm. Libba, those blokes, did what they do. That's a given. We know that they, they played to the way they play. Smith has dropped back a little bit, but the bonus is Jamara has now elevated himself. So that's the bonus. So if all the others do what they, we know they're capable of, it's a huge boost to them if Jamara now is the equal of or ready to take the mantle away from Norton. Because my brief synopsis on Norton last night was he does all the correct natural forward movements to get to the ball and win it, but when he's got the ball in his hands, he's not a natural forward. Well, their next five weeks five weeks is going to tell a bit. They're going to be, after this round, St Kilda are playing Melbourne tonight, so they're going to be a game out of the, the top four. Their next four of the next five games, they've got teams outside the top eight. So if they want to push up and make that top, it's, it's in their own hands. The only team that they've, they've got in the top eight is Essendon, who are, uh, who are sitting eighth. And that's in two weeks' time. So if they can play the football that they produced last night against these teams in the next month to five weeks, then they should be right up there in the top four contenders. And then from that, we know from the Bulldogs that they can do anything in finals. We've seen it multiple times. They've got from they've got the grand finals and won a premiership from lowly in that, that bottom eight. Riley, just before top we eight, break and yeah, get back into the some wider conversations around, I think Jamara's worth a, a longer conversation after the break. Bailey Smith and Nick Dacos, dare I say it yet again as well. But we often wonder with Collingwood, how are they going to fit them all back in? I mean, it's yeah. the question, given the players that missed last night, McStay, Mychek, Sidebottom's got to come back in as well. The list goes on and on. And 
as he did say, though, the coach, well, we've never had our best 22. We've always, you get a magnet back, you lose a magnet, and, and they lost another one last night. Yeah, so Will Huskin Elliott, he'll be out for around a month. We'll undergo surgery on a broken hand. So it's another one that goes out of the team. As you mentioned, though, if they get Maynard back next week from a shoulder Maynard's injury. Maynard's another one, yep. yeah. Yeah, Mychek, we've got a hammy. He might come back next week. Sidewater might come back next week. And then McStay was due to play VFL last weekend, but pulled out last minute with a bit of an illness. So should be playing VFL this weekend. But in that team last night, can you play... McStay and uh, uh, Well, I found it fascinating last night that at times I felt their back line was undersized and they were making Darcy Moore do a few things, as he said, that he might not have been as comfortable with in terms of matching up on someone, but yet they kept Billy Frampton forward for the structure. So I wonder if Billy Frampton's the man that goes out of that team for, to accommodate for McStay coming back. I thought it might have been someone like Oleg Markov, but he's writing his own story yeah. at the moment too, isn't he? He's, mm. he's playing a real role in that but, side. Which makes me... Still fall back to, of course, every team that gets to the top of the ladder or top two, top three, has a plethora of fantastic players. And hard decisions but to make. But this is, this, is, this, is, this is system. Put this down mm. to system. They've got yeah. some fantastic and great players in there. But this is system, and Oleg Markov is proving it. Billy Frampton is, is proving it. Bo McCreary is proving it. These are not going to be household names or superstars any day, but they are playing pretty good football in a system and doing all that is required of them because Mm. that's what the system of Collingwood wants. As I say, you've got great players in there as well, so don't try and (laughs) make out I'm trying to downgrade the ability of the team. There are great players in that side, but this is system-based. Crunch time, it's for the Berwick Motor Group. That's where we are today. Berwick GWM for the all-new Tank, Aura and Canon XSR, part of the Berwick Motor Group. And Azito, our friends at Azito, they power DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Great day to be hungry. Available after 10.30am for a limited time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Azito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers all day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group. A great play from Friday Night Footy. For Luxus Crates, the leaders in aluminium drainage, UV stable, rust-proof and customisable on-site. Lux's Greats, distributed Australia-wide. Half-back flank, 9,657 disposals. And the knowledgeable supporters acknowledging that as Moore goes short to Markov at half-back. And they're going to switch it again to Hal to Pendlebury. Oh, listen to them. They put it up on the board, so every Pi supporter is on their feet in the stand. Josh Dacos receives the kick from him, punched away from Noble by McRae, and the ball is out of bounds, and now the ground announcer announcing that stat of 9,658 possessions, and there's plenty of noise down at Marvel Stadium. A proud Pies crowd on their feet. Dogs fans, too, are up on theirs. Great respect. Scotty Pendlebury last night writing himself into the history books. He broke the disposals record that had been set by Robert Harvey upon his retirement in 2008. And you heard there from uh, the commentary team at AFL Nation, both sets of supporters uh, up on their feet uh, applauding the feet of Scott Pendlebury. That was our highlight from Friday Night Footy brought to you by Lux's Greats, the leaders in customisable aluminium drainage. It's an illustrious list 
um, as well, Doom. You were marvelling at the fact that KB was fourth. There's some big names in this list. And if I scroll down to 15th all-time, I find a certain L. Hodge, 7,589 disposals. How many? 7,589 disposals. Let me read along there and... Eight contested. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cheapies across halfback there. They do. <laughs> there's a lot of cheapies. Well done, Oji boy. Hey. Oh, you got you got to find where you go where there's no there's no body well, around. No traffic. Sit, sit behind the plane, just ask for a bit of dead time, chip it back to you, soak it up oh. when you can. We were we were fishing there. We thought you might have taken the boat, but you were too good for that. I've, I've been around Durham long enough to know that there's something's going to be coming at me. So. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> it wasn't going to be a positive. Very good. Hey, give it a few more years, and who knows, Nick Dacos might be right there. And I know this is a Groundhog Day conversation around, around the kid, but a lot was said last night around the strength that he's added as well to his game. And since he's been moved in the midfield, the genie's out of the bottle. There's no way he's going back to halfback. It doesn't matter who's coming Don't into that side. He's the best player in the competition at the moment, right where he is. He wreaked havoc last night. He's, I thought, actually, Nathan Buckley probably said it best on Fox footy, probably as good as I've heard anyway. He's got Scott Pendlebury's deception. And he's got Dane Swan's burst. And as we would know, if you put those two together, you've got a lethal combination. But that would appear to be exactly what Nick Dacos is. His decision-making is microsecond. That goal he kicked for the... um, The check side. The check side banana kick. Uh, Jared Healy described it. He only had... He could go on the left if he wanted to. But if he goes on to the left, he has to take one more step. And one more step means he would have got smothered off the boot. So he computes that he's only got time to take two steps, which puts him on the right foot. So he has to check side it. So to compute that, and, and we are talking micros of a second. Like, I don't know how you'd measure it, but it would be somewhere around a quarter of a second's uh, computation in that cranium to actually go two steps, kick, bang, and it's away. And then the execution... He split the two uprights. It was incredible. <laughs> but it's not as if he was just standing there and just jogged into it. He was on the play mm. on the back flank. He ran past for a handball receive. I think McQuarrie didn't give it to him. End up kicking it forward. And all of a sudden, that work ethic, that speed that he's got, that power running, picked it up. And then, as you said to him, the, the decision to throw it onto the right outside the boot. And it never looked like missing. But we're saying this every time. You, you go yeah. through the game, and I think it's 10 highlights, and he's got seven of them. There was, there was plays... That goal that he kicked, the intercept mark, first of all, he's alert enough to be in the zone and ready for the ball to come through the corridor. He intercepts it and goes back and kicks it from 52. Doesn't look like missing. The, the question that a lot of people had on him, not that there was many out there, was when he came in, he played across half-back. And as we are joking around then, maybe it's a little bit easier to get a kick across half-back to him. But... Then he's then they threw it. Then they throw. I thought I'd jib myself because I thought rather than you coming at me. Um, then the, the question is, well, let's see how he goes in the midfield. Like his clearances last night, mm. as we said earlier, he had six at the same time that the Western Bulldogs had six. And there's a there's a couple of plays there you're spot on about the the Scotty Pendlebury. He's gone to fake a handball. People would sort of push off him to go to the handball receiver, and then he'd just use his space to get out. Other times that he'd have the peripheral vision to have. I think it might have been. Was it Quain off the back, off the half? Well, he had a plate run off the half back line, and he's gone over his right shoulder and hit him without bloke missing, without missing a step. Yeah. Like he's just got the vision, the composure, but then the the burst to, to get out with his own powerful from his legs as well. Yeah, so he's had 11 clearances, but still helped himself to 440 metres gained as well. So he's the mm. ultimate blend at the moment. He's flying. I thought, and Trelaw was 
awesome against him for the first 15 minutes of the second quarter. I thought he beat him mm. at stoppage. And then he's, it's like a little... I mean, this kid, how many games has he played, this little bugger? Yeah, it's his second season. Second season, 40, so... his 41st game. 40, it's his 41st game. He's just gone, no, I'm going to drop the hammer here. Yeah. And just as well, <laughs> Riley, that they... doesn't sum it up. He just drops the hammer and yeah. goes, I'll yeah. go harder. Yeah, obviously he's not going anywhere, father, son. We know the history and the story, but they signed him initially to that four-year deal, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. which was... <laughs> takes him through. He's on sound yeah. business. He's on a, yeah, it was very sound business from Collingwood. But the, like, for every question that you've ever thrown at him... So he play, started his career of halfback, racked up 30 touches a game. Everyone said, well, can he go through the midfield? He's gone through the midfield. About six weeks ago, there were question marks as to whether or not he could become a contested and clearance player. Everyone was saying he's winning too much of the ball on the yeah. outside. He's averaging 15 contested possessions a game over the last month. He's had five games this year where he's kicked multiple goals. He won 11 clearances last night. You're going to hate me for saying this, because I'm from a different era. He's, it, it's great he's playing in this year, era, because in yesteryear, even to Hodge's early career, you'd punish his body. You would just go out there and say, this kid's too good. Don't they we still just... do that? No, they still can't do it for, anymore. There's still room for a bit of that, You can't there? do it. Who gets driven into the ground now? You get suspended. Well, in the you... tackle, but you can you can put body on him at stoppage. And no how, one do you can, no one... how do you hurt a body mm. now? Mm. You Hod- can't do it. Hodgie, you would punish his body. You'd linger every tackle in the old days. You would have... And that's you, they can't <laughs> do that to him now. But yeah. people, people said the same thing about Juddy said, well, he's too quick. Surely back in the day we could punish him. They said the same thing about Shane Crawford. Mm. These blokes are strong enough. They're Crawford powerful punished. Enough. He, he did, but they're strong <laughs> enough. And I've, I've seen enough of Nick Dacos to realise that if he, if they're going to have a go at him, his teammates are going to stick up for him, but he's Correct. also going to he's going to have a go back. He's got that little yeah. bit of grit in him. Um, but to really but, get through, you can't do it the way you used to. You imagine, I'm talking about, imagine if Dipper got him in a tackle. I mean, that type of thing. You can't do that anymore. So that, that's out of the game. But you, you would, if a player was that good in yesteryear, you'd say, all right, he's too good. We'll make him not be good. And you'd physically do that. And the game would semi-allow it. Yeah. It, it, that Dern, doesn't exist anymore. I've got one for you. You're a knowledgeable man of the game. There's been one person who's had more touches in their first 40 games than Nick Dacos. Who is it? <laughs> He's one of I, know the answer, I know the answer to this because you rolled it out last night. Um, is it Mickey Barlow, someone like that? No, is that, he's won a few Brownlows. He's a little man. He didn't have the burst that Nick Dacos did. Uh, halves? No. Croft. Like, very, good, very good with his hands. Croft. Put well, him he, out of his misery. He's the only bastard who could play at that stage. Greg Williams. <laughs> Greg right. Williams is the only person to have more touches than Nick Dacos in his first 40 games. He couldn't run either. <laughs> he's cool. yeah. Nick's got a little bit more burst than what, than what yeah. Greg Williams and did. But I, th- I think that puts Nick up there with, I know we keep talking about it, but when you compare blokes in their first 40 games, who's having an impact? You look back at Juddy was one who came onto the scene with his burst and his explosive. You could see that in moments, Stop. couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Nick's, Nick's doing the same. And once you put him in names with Greg Williams, what he was being able to do and how he had an impact early on, it's, uh, there's a reason why we continue to talk about him. Yeah, I, I was thinking last night on the way home, you can't switch off from footy. It's like you still wake at 2am 2, 2 thinking about what you've just seen. When you're a player, it's worse. But um, I thought, what's going to stop him mm. becoming an all-time great? And because it was a question asked last night on air, um, what's his ceiling? And I said, no, this is it. This is, you can't get better than this. This is, he's that good now. You can't get better than this. That's a brave call. The, the only thing you can do is prolong it. 
And if he prolongs this, he's an all-time great. The only thing that'll stop him doing that is a, a horrible injury. So I'm touching wood. Yep. Touch wood, touch wood, touch yep. wood. So it doesn't happen. But that's the only thing that'll stop him. The yeah. other side of the coin, as, as effusive as we can be around uh, Nick Dacos, and we've run out of superlatives, and the coaches asked him about him for the millionth time last night, and he was the same, is what do the Western Bulldogs do with Bailey Smith? Now, I felt sorry for Bailey Smith, to be honest, last night, watching him run around. When you consider the numbers at the main break, no centre bounce attendances, one effective disposal, zero marks, zero clearances, one inside 50 in a half of football. Hodgie, when you see Bailey Smith at the moment, he does look lost. I know there's some uh, positioning complexities in that dog's midfield and only so many uh, people can sit at the chair at the table. But what, what's your take on where Bailey Smith's at right now? When, when a player who comes up, he's, he's obviously, his first few years has been really good. Like He's used his run, he's used his creativity, and he did that on the wing. And I think what you do, once you've been into the, the AFL system for three, four, five years, and you sort of, looks like you've excelled in a certain position, it's about how can we make this player the next step? How can we take him to that next area? And for the Bulldogs, it looks like they've, over the start of this year, they put him into the centre bounce a little bit more. They're playing more as a half a half or to try and lose a defender to try and bring him up to the contest. If I was a coach at the Bulldogs, to try and get him some confidence back, I'd be putting him back onto the wing. Keep him on the wing for a full game and making sure that he gets that confidence that he had prior. So the last time Collingwood and Bulldogs played, he had 41 touches. Mm. Playing on the wind, playing around the ball, not playing as a high half forward. The high half forward is the hardest position to play because you're trying to create space to get out of your forward line. You've also got to work back in, but you've also got a bloke who's trying to shut you down in a halfback flank. So I'll be making it a little bit easier on the kid and, and putting him back on that wing and just say, use your running ability. And the other thing is, Derm, you spoke about his kicking earlier. You're always under pressure. If you're on the half forward, if you're a half forward, you're always under pressure from mid squeezing back, putting pressure on your kick, a defender on you, and you've got a little small area to, to work into. On the wing, you can work back into the D50, you can work up the fat side. There's more space for a winger to hit a kick if his kick's a little bit suspect, as we're starting to see in that position at the moment. Derm, Riley, before we get your thoughts on Bailey Smith, this was the coach, Luke Beveridge, when he was asked about Bailey last night. I mean, what, what ends up happening is um, in the pecking order of that midfield, you end up playing a bit of a role play here and there. And, um, and Baz, as I said the other day, he's had some interruption in his preparations. And, uh, and so, he, you know, the ground that Bailey covers when he's at the uh, peak of his powers is really hard to contend with. And uh, so he's still building up to that. And uh, he's had some little niggles here and there with his body that's... Um, uh, meant that at different times he's uh, been held up with these training loads. So we're working towards him. Uh, as I said the other day, working towards him, um, you know, I suppose growing again and, and even improving on what, he, what, he, what he's done on the, in the past. The other side of it is, of course, we know his history, Bailey Smith, deep thinker, complex character at times. He'd be his own hard taskmaster, I'm sure. We've seen him out here doing um, running sessions at Marble Stadium after playing a full game derm. But how do you think the dogs get the best out of him from here? There's, I think you've got to actually look at the path you take to make yourself a fantastic player. And I go back to the final series when they got knocked over by Melbourne over in Perth in, in the grand final. But that final series, I can recall vision of him running past his own teammates, running past opposition players to lay tackles on mm. the opposition. I thought, wow, his want, his desire for the contest, his desire to get to and work hard is just off the, 
off the charts. I, I, I can't see that at the moment. Now, you, you might have niggles, yeah, mm. and that'll curtail his ability to do so. Um, but I just don't see that work workload in him. He played forward that final series. Because he kicked three goals against Brisbane in the semi. He kicked four against Port in the prelim. So he was playing... That, that was the half-forward role that he was playing. And I wonder if they've tried to get a bit of confidence back in him by moving him back to that role over the last month or so. When Trelaw went out of the team when he did his hamstring early this season, that's when they started, started pushing him into to centre bounce a bit more. But and he was moved, good. And he was mm. good. But they've moved him back out of it now. So I wonder if they're trying to just find different ways to get his confidence and get his form going. You're listening to Crunch Time. We're on site today, this morning, for Berwick GWM for the all-new Tank, Aura and Canon XSR. After this break, gentlemen, we'll turn our mind to the resuscitation of Richmond season.